The universe is all there is, was, or ever will be. It seems like the most self-evident thing of all, that the universe is defined as everything we could possibly see, interact with, or that exists in our observable universe or beyond. And yet, that is a huge assumption we make about existence, that our universe is the only one out there, that what we know of as the universe, including what goes beyond it, of what originated in our Big Bang, that this encapsulates truly everything and all there is. But is it true? Come find out on this edition of the Starts With a Bang podcast. From our perspective here on Earth, we can look back in time by simply looking farther and farther away to greater distances in our universe. And when we look farther and farther back, what is it that we see? Well, yes, we see stars and galaxies out there for as far as humanity has ever looked. We see that there are billions, hundreds of billions of stars in our own galaxy. And for all the galaxies that are out there, we infer there are about two trillion of them in the entire universe. As we look farther away, we see them as they were when they were younger. Galaxies when they're younger are less evolved, there are more spirals and fewer ellipticals, they're filled with bluer, younger stars, and the galaxies are smaller than they are today. They haven't had as much time to merge and grow and accrete matter. So eventually, if we look far enough back, we can come to a time before there were stars and going even further before there were neutral atoms, before there were atomic nuclei, before there were stable protons and neutrons, before matter maybe even came to dominate antimatter. And if we go all the way back, you will reach the hot big bang. That's a limit. That's a cosmic horizon. The moment that the Big Bang occurred is the beginning of our universe as we know it. This is 46 billion light years away. That's the amount of distance that currently an object that emitted light at the moment of the Big Bang would be if that light is first reaching our eyes today. It's 46 billion light years due to the fact that the universe is expanding, that the fabric of space itself is stretching and expanding, and that the Big Bang happened 13.8 billion years ago. Beyond that distance, beyond that cosmic horizon, we cannot see, observe, or collect any evidence from what exists there. We have a strong suspicion, though. Just because we don't know for certain what the universe is doing doesn't mean we have no clue. We fully expect that beyond our cosmic horizon, beyond the edge of our observable universe, there is more universe just like our own. What evidence do we have for this, though? We know that if the universe were only the extent of the observable universe, there would be a boundary there. And yet, as time has gone on, we've continued to see something consistent with the universe being the same at all locations in space, the same in all directions, not repeating, not being closed in on itself, and also 
no evidence that anything is amiss as you get close to the edge. In fact, if we look at the amount that the universe is curved, we can already infer that hundreds of times beyond the observable universe, for hundreds of times the distance we can see, there ought to be more universe just like our own. We can go all the way back to the original idea of the Big Bang. Originally, it was saying, if you take a look at the universe today, see that it's expanding, see that it's cooling, and hey, everything's getting farther apart, everything's getting cooler, as light defined by its wavelength, if distances stretch and expand, then the wavelength of light should be stretching and growing longer. Long wavelength light is lower energy light. So if we extrapolate backwards instead, we would find that the universe gets hotter and denser, eventually hot enough to ionize neutral atoms, to blast atomic nuclei apart, to create matter-antimatter pairs spontaneously. And if you go all the way back to the original idea of the Big Bang, you would infer an arbitrarily, perhaps infinitely hot and dense state. All of the matter, all of the energy in the universe would be concentrated into a single point in space-time, known as a singularity. The Big Bang is a brilliant idea, and there are many observations that confirm it. We see the leftover glow from the Big Bang, from when matter first became neutral. This leftover radiation that stopped scattering off of that last scattering surface reaches our eyes today, redshifted to just a few degrees above absolute zero. This is the cosmic microwave background with the energy, the spectrum, the temperature, and even fluctuations that are totally consistent with our picture of the Big Bang. We have the large-scale structure of the universe, the great cosmic web, that points to the fact that it grew out of a dense, uniform early state to form the clumps and clusters we have today. We have the abundance of the light elements, the very first nuclear reactions that ever took place in just the first few minutes of the universe. We see those left over hydrogen and helium atoms whose nuclei were first created in the earliest stages of the Big Bang. We look at these pieces of evidence, we look at these observations along with the expanding universe, and the Big Bang is the only explanation that works. But that extrapolation all the way back to a singularity? That's not necessarily a given. That, in fact, has a few problems. Because if you were to extrapolate all the way back, you wouldn't expect everything to have the properties it has. Some of the properties that the universe has are quite a surprise. Why is it the same temperature in multiple different directions that haven't had time to communicate over the 13.8 billion year history of the universe? Why are their properties the same? Why is the universe so perfectly spatially flat? There's no explanation for this. It's just observed to be extraordinarily flat. Why, if we reach these ultra-high energies, aren't there ultra-high energy relics left over? And why are the density fluctuations that gave rise to the seeds of structure, why are they so small? We would expect if the universe just started from a singular state for the 
these density fluctuations to be of the same order of magnitude as the original temperature, but instead we observe them to be about 30,000 times smaller. Why would this occur? We don't know within the context of the Big Bang. It would take an add-on, a way to set up these initial conditions and give rise to the hot Big Bang to solve it. And that idea came along in the early 1980s of cosmic inflation. The universe is the same temperature and has the same properties everywhere because there was an inflating state, because the universe went from a state where it was filled with energy inherent to space itself itself that expanded at an exponential rate and then all of these regions that we see today originated from the same point. That's why the universe is uniform. It's only the quantum fluctuations that occur throughout space that give you these tiny, small density fluctuations. The universe appears flat because when you expand the universe exponentially and relentlessly like that, that flatness is a consequence of that. We see the universe as it is today extremely flat, because the universe was stretched flat by inflation and there are no leftover high energy relics because the universe has an upper limit to the temperatures it reaches at the end of cosmic inflation. So cosmic inflation comes along. It solves all these problems. It's made new predictions that have since been verified and it prevents a Big Bang singularity. Cosmic inflation came before and set up the hot Big Bang. So how then does cosmic inflation actually work? How does cosmic inflation occur in our early universe? I want you to visualize inflation like a ball on top of a hill. It's stably perched on top of the hill. Now, in order for inflation to last a long time, this hill needs to have a plateau-like top. It needs to be relatively flat on top of the hill. Why? Because balls have a tendency to roll down hills and into a valley. When the ball rolls down into the valley, inflation ends and we get the hot big bang. And when inflation is on top of the hill, we have inflation, we have this exponential expansion. So far, so good. In order to make inflation work right, the hill needs to be relatively flat because the ball needs to roll slowly enough so that we get enough inflation to solve these problems. So that's it. Inflation is like a ball on top of a hill. The hill is flat on top. The ball rolls slowly. It rolls down into the valley eventually. And when it does, inflation ends and bam, there's our entire Big Bang with the entire universe, some of which is contained within our observable universe and more of which is beyond it. That's it. That's inflation. And we're all set, right? No, not right. Because there's an additional property that the universe has. The universe and all the fields within it, including an inflationary field, are inherently quantum in nature. Quantum means that nothing, no fields, no particles, act like a simple ball. The universe and everything in it must also act like a wave if it acts like a particle. 
Well, in the quantum universe, you have to describe a particle by its wave function. And waves and wave functions spread out over time and space. So let's think about this. We have a ball, except it's not a ball, on top of a hill. It's also a wave function. And inflation is basically creating new space continuously all the time. So what does inflation mean in the context of expanding space? It means that we are creating new volumes of space while inflation goes on. In a certain amount of time, the amount of volume will double. The size will double, and then it doubles again, and doubles again, and doubles again, and doubles again. So that if you wait a certain amount of time and it doubles, you wait 10 times the amount of time, it doubles 10 times, or becomes 2 to the 10, or about a 1,000 times its original size. If you wait 10 times that long, it doubles 100 times, so it's 2 to the 100 times its original size, or about 10 to the 30. This goes on really fast and really relentlessly. By time just 10 to the minus 30 seconds have gone by, the universe is 10 to the 10,000 times or so as large as it is initially. So if we compare how long does it take the universe to double in size to the rolling time, we know it has to roll for long enough. But now we have that extra ingredient thrown in there. We have this quantum mechanical spreading. And if you calculate the spreading time, this is where the big problem and the big puzzle of just having one universe shows up. In some regions of space, the wave function will spread closer to the valley and inflation will come to an end faster than it would have normally. In other regions of space, the wave function spreads in one direction than the other and acts pretty average overall. And after a certain amount of time, inflation, that ball, rolls down the hill and into the valley and the Big Bang begins and inflation ends. But in other regions... The ball is rolling slowly enough on average that the wave function spreading can actually take you farther back up the hill. It can take you closer towards equilibrium on that plateau. So the problem is with inflation, there are always more regions where inflation goes closer to not ending than it does closer to ending because the ones that don't end they continue to inflate they create new space and in those regions of space inflation is farther from ending than it's ever been the problem of inflation ending is that there are always more regions where inflation doesn't end than where it does end which means once you start with an inflating state it continues infinitely into the future. Inflation, once it begins, is eternal. So what about where inflation does end? Well, you get a hot big bang, just like our own. But 
If you have a small region where inflation ends and you get a hot big bang, it's inevitably going to be surrounded volumetrically by a region that's still inflating. And since there are always more regions where inflation doesn't end than where it does end, it means these individual big bangs that are occurring continuously, randomly, at different locations in space, they are always separated from one another by more inflating space between them. And since inflation occurs faster and more relentlessly than any other type of expansion, no two universes will ever touch, collide, or interact because they're separated by an eternally inflating universe. This is what we call eternal inflation. And the different Big Bangs that occur at different times that give rise to different spots in the universe, this is what we mean by a multiverse. Yes, we can definitively say if inflation is correct and if quantum physics is correct and applies to inflation, we believe we must live in a multiverse. If inflation and quantum physics as we understand them are both correct, our universe is then just one of a countlessly large number of universes that are continually created, not just 13.8 billion years ago, but on and on and on, including all the time in between then and the present day. And in the future, this eternally inflating space will continue to give rise to new universes as well. These countlessly large number of universes are embedded in a much larger space-time, an eternally inflating background space-time littered and dotted with individual universes. This is our multiverse, and it's an inevitable consequence of the best physics theories and ideas that are confirmed today. The Starts With a Bang podcast is only made possible through the generous donation of our Patreon supporters. Support Starts With a Bang on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash startswithabang. Thanks go out to all my supporters, especially those of you at the $5 a month level and above, including... Robert J. Hansen, Samir Kumar, Dominic Turpin, Tim Graham, John Methot, Aaron Weiss, Pavel Zizelski, Chris Shaw, Thomas Sola, Denier, Frank, Pedro Texera, Igor Mitrofanov, William Barr, Eric Brown, Mark Armstrong, Jose Enrique, Frederick Martello, Sean Foley, Elver Sanososa, Flo, Richard Jousey, DGE, John Kozura, Marcelo Barnabas, Rafael Wojciech, Danny, Alexander Marius, Gaijin, Andrew T. Douglas, Chris Hilly, Weller Tractor Salvage, Mark Langston, David Krumpotic, Randall Slimak, Jerry Wilterding, Tom Van Scotter, Michael Lewis, Mike Fletch, Ahmed Lee Comsey, Jeffrey Kidd, Dana Bridges, Kelly Kudrick, Richard Schwartz, Darren Redfern, Mark Bloor, Nick Delroy, Ronan Yechazel, Fraser Kane, Steve Shaber, Naked Bunny with a Whip, Kevin Barnes, Patrick Dennis, Radek Nesbida, James Nance, Joe McFarland, Sidney Atwood, Nathan Hanna, Tomas All, Glenn McDavid, Benjamin Turner, David Taschioni, Philip Radilovic, John Seal, Braxton Thomason, Karen Garrison, and Zarko Opacic. Thanks everyone for tuning in, and I'll see you next time here for more Starts with a Bang. Starts with a Bang.